Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. And welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host, Gerard Gibbert, along with Will East in for the vacationing rhino for day three. We're in the Element Well studio, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music, as Rhino would say on this Friday. Y'all, here we are. And I think Rhino might be a psychic. Was that? Because he picked three days. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Boy, did you see the weather on Wednesday. Yeah. Boy, did you see the weather on, <laughs> on Thursday. This morning wasn't too bad, although it's starting to heat up now. Yeah. And then in this room, Gerard, it's just it's like a cave. You know, I don't see the sun. I can't see the sun in yeah. here, uh, which is good when it's hot. But when it's nice out, I like to be kind of out and doing stuff. <laughs> Rhino picked it perfectly. He must have saw when he put these days in back in January, he must have known that the weather was going to break. But the outlook looks a little toasty. <laughs> I saw um, Public Service Commissioner Brent Bailey took to social media to just inform us about the, the uh, forecast and was just asking us to... Be conservative in our use of electricity. Worried about stressing out the grid. It looks even worse to our west in Texas and Louisiana. The bubble that's kind of formed over us. Yeah. You know what else is going on? Is this crazy hurricane, Hillary. <laughs> but it's spelled with one L. That will not hit Wisconsin, as we said yesterday. That's right. It will not. <laughs> It is expected to bring significant impacts to the southwestern portion of the Yee's United States. They're thinking heavy rainfall over the Baja, California, uh, from Friday into late Sunday. That's from the, the National Weather Service. Maximum sustained winds of 120 miles per hour. That makes it a Category 3 hurricane. I didn't know we could have hurricanes out in the Pacific like that. I'm confused. I, I thought they were the, cyclones guess, or something. Yeah, I guess that. they're rare. I don't know. Well, yeah. I don't remember the last time we discussed a hurricane hitting California in the southwestern area of the country. It's bizarre. I'm looking at a satellite image. It's to the southwest of Mexico. Headed to the Baja. I mean, it's like headed straight for the Baja Peninsula there. That's just fascinating. 
I haven't seen any predictions about widespread damage uh, or any sort of ravaging of the area, just heavy rain and some wind for the most part, but we hope they are spared any significant damage, of course. Mortgage rates, speaking of damage, speaking of something that's raging, that'd be the mortgage rates. Fastest pace on record is the surge in rates. Highest level since 2001. Mm. Mm. And, you know, depending on how you interpret what the Fed says in recent remarks, could go even higher. And the Fed is determined to tame inflation, and the major primary tool they have to do that is the Fed funds rate, the benchmark interest rates. So the markets, by the way, started out down significantly, crossed the unchanged line, now in positive territory, the Dow is at least, the NASDAQ still down, Bitcoin losing a bunch. Uh, big sell-off there. Dow down uh, up now 13, has been down significantly this morning. And that's mainly because there are deep concerns across the investment community about the faltering Chinese economy. I know we touched on that a bit this week, but the news continues to be rather dour out of the economy of the nation of China, the second largest on the planet, of course, pretty much totally controlled by the CCP by the Politburo of the Communist Party, just a handful of them, all assembled there in Beijing, planning out all aspects of the Chinese economy. And it's, it's really faltering somewhat. Guess what? That system don't work too well. And that's got investors really concerned, because China's a huge market, of course. And just overall, there's... There's some worry about how that might affect the global economy. And so they're pulling back. You've got also bonds. Got to take a look at that, especially the 10-year. That's what, of course, mortgage rates are tied to. And the 10-year's up, and it's at the highest level in some time, over 4%. Some think it's going to 5%. Think about that. Put your money away, get 5% for 10 years. Not bad, honestly, because you can rely on it. It's not, not like the money you can make in equities, but also not like the money you can lose in equities, right? Those are considerably more risky. But that's what's going on there. We got the 10-year up. And that's because of the yield is up. And that's because there are more sellers than buyers of that, and they're looking at uh, other investments, longer-term investments, sometimes shorter-term investments. And the fear, of course, is by the investment community is that when you see the yields increase on the 10-year, that usually means inflation is going to take its toll on profit of growth stocks, such as technology stocks. Those, those are investments that typically are made because you expect growth as opposed to value, which you would invest in 
less volatile stocks, stocks that aren't continuously growing but just produce year in, year out. So that's what's going on in the financial markets. Meanwhile, we got um, we got a debate coming up next week in yeah. Milwaukee. The stage is set for that. We're going to talk to Austin Barber, partner at the Clearwater Group, at 12.05 today, get his thoughts about that. We've also got Kelly Bennett, multimedia journalist with Super Talk Mississippi News at 11.20. We'll get a rundown of all the news being tracked by the fantastic Super Talk Mississippi News Department. The president says he's going to Hawaii. He refuses to offer any details, and wow, did some folks on social media get get on his butt about all that. He just won't make any any statements with, with any girth, you know, with any substance to them. I sort of wonder if he thinks he's just going over there for a vacation. Doesn't know he's going because there's been a fire. You know, you kind of wonder that. It's um, and nobody. Here's the thing, Gerard. It, that that's that's well, oh, you know, whatever. But the media, the national media, think about the the fire they rained down upon Ted Cruz when he was in was it Cancun during the big freeze in Texas? Yeah. Go back to George uh, W. Bush during Katrina. Yeah. It it's just uh, indicative again, just symbolic of the hypocrisy and the double standard of the of the mainstream media in this country. Uh, they're just not journalists. They're political activists. Let's be exactly. honest. They're sound pieces for the media. Uh, for, excuse me, for a certain political party or the media, and it's kind of disgusting. But you know, last week he said no comment when he was on the beach and he was asked about what what his thoughts were vis-a-vis the fires uh, in Lahaina on the island of Maui, and he said no comment. He'd have been better off saying no comment today. Uh, but when he was asked yesterday the question by a reporter, can you tell us about your Hawaii trip, sir? He, he's, his response was President Biden. No, not now. I'm going to be leaving. I'll be there on Monday. That's all he said. Uh, what is that all about? I Honestly, I wonder, Will, if he can form cogent thoughts and then communicate know. those thoughts on the fly, on his feet. Good leaders got to be able to do that, especially the President of the United States. And you're seeing some frustrations from the Hawaii people, the Hawaiian people. Where's the President? I think, you know, we're part of the country too. You yeah. know, we're a state here. That happened a long time ago. So I agree. And it's, um, it, it's disturbing at a minimum, his comments. I got some woke news for you today, I'm going to call it that, because we're just all tied up in words and and um, and, and really just policy that's immersed in all this gender ideology stuff, some stuff I don't think you're going to believe when we share it with you. We're in the Element Well studio. We're coming right back. Check it out. Let's do this. The 
talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Well, studio, the great Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I'm surprised that Governor Ron DeSantis hasn't adopted that as his campaign theme song. That's Isn't that the name of his pack? The Don't Back Down pack Don't or something? Don't Back Down because Tom Petty was from Gainesville, Florida. Correct. That so, is right. Yeah. Never thought about that connection as well. Yeah, nice work there. Uh, Sam from Mount Hermon, before I get to the woke news of the day, says, Good morning, uh, Gerard, usually hurricanes are called typhoons whenever they are in the Pacific Ocean. Oh. All right, so I, I, just a little slight correction. When I saw that text come in during the break, I decided to look it up. And they're called hurricanes, are these storms out in the ocean when they develop over the North Atlantic, Central North Pacific, and Eastern North Pacific. Okay, they're known as cyclones. I knew there was a cyclone in there somewhere. When they form over the South Pacific in the Indian Ocean. Typhoons, when they develop in the Northwest Pacific. Why can't we just call them all the same thing? Why do we got to have all these different names? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and, and just looking at, okay, here's why they're called different things. It basically says it depends on where they form. They haven't <laughs> happened in different geographic locations. There's, there's still tropical storms, but in the northern Indian Ocean, they're called cyclones. This is crazy. I didn't know that. Which is stronger? I'm looking at this, a hurricane or a cyclone. Hurricanes, cyclones, and typhoons are all the same thing. I didn't know that. (laughs) That's what it says. You learn something new every day, I guess. All are storms with winds exceeding 119 kilometers per hour. That's 74 miles per hour. The name differs based on where where in the world (laughs) the storm occurs. are, Are cyclones and typhoons named like hurricanes are? I reckon. I don't know. It's a good question. I, have I, hadn't, so many, I hadn't looked. You're at that right. One. There's probably a scientist somewhere at uh, you know the National Weather Service or something who's, who's been fighting that battle for years. We should all name That's them the same exactly thing. right. And I'm looking at like a map of the globe, like a, a flat map showing all the continents, all the oceans, and uh, it, that particular map depicts. When they're here, they're called hurricanes. When they're here, <laughs> yeah. At what point does a does a cyclone become a typhoon or exactly reverse? Jeez, it's a it's a guy. So one thing that is true, I guess it all has to do with gravity and the rotational pull. But according to this map, I don't know if this is uh, meant to show this, but according to this map, best I can tell, hurricanes move from our east to west. That'd be true. They always come out of the Atlantic and then move up. Yeah. And that's even the case when they're in the Pacific. Huh. But cyclones, they move, according to this, more east to south. And typhoons have the same track 
even in the Pacific, of course, that's when they're called typhoons, is hurricanes, they go uh, from east to west and north. I mean, that's typically the track. They get something pushes them out. You know, I mean, that's what we were used to around here. Come out of the Atlantic, and then they get pushed back into the Atlantic, a weather system coming from, which is totally different than the typical weather systems that yeah. we're accustomed to that come out of the northwest. Move, think about cold fronts, for example, huh. and then move through. Yeah, so... So, so somebody from the 601 says they are named. Okay. So I cool. wonder if you could get like a, a Hurricane Hillary and a Typhoon Bill, and then over here you got a, a, a Cyclone Monica, you know, like there just messing go. around with them, you know. <laughs> so we got Hurricane Hillary about to um, impact the Baja of California. Just bizarre. That's right. All right. Who said that the last time we had that was 1997? Yeah, Chris from Oxford. Last time a hurricane hit the West Coast. Hurricane Nora, 1997. We're full of all kind of weather trivia here today. And by the way, right here on the screen, there's a there's a display of of the storm uh, weather graphic radar showing that thing churning out there in the Pacific, headed up to the Baja. That's incredible. You know, I don't want a hurricane. Well, just to let you know, but we could use a little rain. Around here, couldn't we? Well, you know, we got a burn ban. Mississippi has enacted, according to Supertalk Mississippi News, Mississippi has enacted a burn ban across all state parks and lakes. My hometown has uh, developed a burn ban a a couple days ago because we haven't had rain. I can't remember the last time it rained. It seemed like it rained every single day, and then all of a sudden the spigot was closed, and now we haven't had rain in well over a month. Seems like it. And it doesn't look like there's going to be any rain. I was going to read you the forecast uh, in my neck of the woods yeah. the next couple of days. So today, a high of 99. Now, here you go. Saturday, 101. Next day, 102, 101, 101, 103, 104, 102, 102. And then next Sunday, we get a little bit of a reprieve. It drops down to a cool 99. Oh, okay. Man. Um, Charles and Matheson, you looking at this, Will? Sent an interesting photo of his vintage uh, 1970s amp and preamp, Sansui. Look at that. CA3000, BA2000, Yamaha T80 digital toner. Very cool. Uh, uh, Separate components and audio files typically would invest in separate components, which in those days provided better sound quality and control than just a receiver, which would be all at one, amp, preamp, and uh, tuner. In one device, and and so I, I, I too had a stack of uh, amp preamp separates for uh, that I bought in the late '90s. A company called Proceed had an amp a preamp combination, and it's I had some speakers. I don't know if you're familiar with them that were just introduced around that time period from a company called Martin Logan. I think that was the name of the mm-hmm. engineer who invented them, and they're Unique in that they are electrostatic. So, if, if folks, if you go look it up right now, um, they're in, they're incredible when you when you look at them. Just their the architecture of the physical speaker is unique, and they're kind of a tower configuration, if you will. And they make them from you know three or four feet high to six eight feet high, and then the width. But there's a there's a subwoofer built into them for the low range at the bottom, a typical conical speaker, 
And then there's this grill. They called it an electrostatic grill. So the mid-range, the tweeter, the higher ranges of sound, delivered by this grill that was that was uh, transparent. Hmm. And uh, it was it was fascinating technology. And so somehow it charged the grill to produce the sound, and it and it sounded almost hollow like like you were in a studio. And that was the idea, to get just reproduce the sound in that way. Uh, just so you'll know, the high-end version today, I looked it up the other day, of the Martin Logan speakers, 100 grand a pair. Oh, my god. 100 grand a pair. Now, they have – I didn't have the $100,000 <laughs> speakers, but uh, they, they like range, I want to say, from five grand or so up to 100 grand, depending on the size and, and the um, capabilities, the features. Uh, but they also make – small ones that would serve as your surround sound. Same same yeah. configuration. And I had those on my wall, literally. They were attached to the wall. They were about three feet high, the ones I had, the, the front, left, and right channel. And they have fantastic center channel. That was what really made those speakers so great. And, and of course, folks that, that have surround sound, that uh, like watch DVD movie productions, a great deal of the sound is in the center, because that's where the dialogue and the voice portion of the sound is projected through the center. So it's really important to have a really good center channel. And the Martin Logan center channel speaker also was a combination of cones, except it was horizontal instead of vertical like the left and right, cones and the electrostatic grill. And it was like three and a half feet wide, eight, ten inches high for a center channel speaker. Just incredible. Martin Logan. I'm digressing a little bit. Audio I had file some stuff. Sirwin Vega. Yeah. I don't even know if they still make those. CW. Well, a lot of theaters use those. Altec Lansing, Voice of the Theater, and then Sirwin Vega. I got a funny story I'll tell yeah. you. Yeah. We don't have time right now. Well, maybe we'll tell another side about Sirwin Vega speakers. They made, I want to say, jukeboxes. They were involved in Really? The, I think that's right, like the sound portion of, of jukeboxes. Yeah, I just. Just flipped on the Martin Logan uh, speaker website real quick. You know that that whole it's, it, it's gotten so that group has gotten so small. I, yeah, you're right about that. You know, it used to be it's trimmed down. It quite was a, a big, bit. you know, it was a big thing. And everybody had all the stuff, and you know, it just isn't. It everything's so so much more compact and everything yeah. and. Most of our wives won't allow us to have some of this stuff anymore it's in the house. Expensive, and it's, <laughs> and it's can expensive. get loud too. Yeah. <laughs> um, look it up though. Co- really cool stuff. The Neolith is the name of their highest end speaker. I'm looking at it. Okay, one hundred nineteen thousand nine hundred nine dollars per pair. <laughs> the Neolith. How cool is that? Man, <laughs> we are. Taking a break right here. We got Kelly Bennett at 11:20, Austin Barber at 12:05. We're gonna get to some woke news on the other side of the break. Stay with us. Welcome, welcome to our show on Super Talk Mississippi. Okay, now you have a good one.
There you go. Kevin Cronin, REO Speedwagon, need to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's right, the wagon. I told you that story, right, when I went down to the Capitol for my confirmation to serve another term on the Lottery Corporation Board. First term was four years. And so, in case folks don't know, when the law was enacted, the provision of the law that um, defines the organizational structure of the board is five members with staggered terms. Some boards, the terms are level. Every member has the same term, number of years to serve. The lottery board intentionally is staggered, meaning the members, the five members receive five, four, three, two, one year terms initially. And then if you're asked to serve again, you serve for a five year term. Your term is renewed for five years. So my four year term expired in December. And uh, the governor, I was appointed by Phil Bryant, 2018, when right after the law was enacted. And uh, Governor Reeves called me and and um, actually wanted to talk to me about some other opportunities. And we ended up just staying on the lottery board for now, which I'm honored, pleased to do. But you still have to go through the Senate hearing process and confirmation process again, even for a renewal. It's not automatic. And so this particular year, I think it was in March, I'm down at the Capitol in front of the Senate committee, I think it's Finance Committee, which is pretty big, by the way, in the Senate, as you can imagine, because there's yeah. that's a lot of work to do there, Democrats, re- Republicans. And Senator High Bryan, no fan of the lottery. And when I was confirmed in uh, 2019, he was uh, he was difficult. He grilled me pretty hard, about an hour and 30 minutes up there. He and some other Democrats really grilled me. They just decided that I was going to be the, the whipping boy for the lottery, I guess, because the other board members went through in five minutes. I was up there an hour and a half, and Senator Bryan was just going on and on and on and on about all, all sorts of stuff that's kind of bizarre. And it, those of you who know the senator, who's a very smart guy, by the way. I don't agree with him a lot on his policy positions, but the guy's really brilliant. And he's a showman. Uh, there are a lot of stories that are legendary, and I, yeah. I know he's had some discussions with Mr. Gallo that have been... When he's for, in studio and Paul's here, yeah. I like to be in there just <laughs> watching everything occur. It's very entertaining. Yes. So this year, he's grilling me about stuff, and, and he just doesn't like the answers. I'm telling the truth about everything. He just doesn't like the truth about the lottery, right? And... He gets he gets frustrated as he typically does and that sort of stuff. Slams his hands down on the table, gets up, takes a walk to the back of the room to get some water, and uh, so the chair recognizes Senator Jeremy England, who's also on the committee, <laughs> to ask me a question. He said, uh, "Mr. Gibbert, do you think REO Speedwagon ought to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame?" <laughs> Because he's heard me talk about that on the show. And I said, you dang right, Senator. (laughs) That was pretty good, just kind of breaking up the the tension there. (laughs) True story. Oh, my gosh. Well, I will tell you this, Will, uh, related to the lottery. There there is uh, literally stated 
uh, in the bill, in the law, that the mission of the Mississippi Lottery Corporation is to maximize revenues for the state of Mississippi. Now, just so you'll know, that's actually a little different than maximizing gross sales revenues, but typically the more gross sales revenue you produce, the more revenue for the state, which is the lottery's profit. That's revenue to the state, profit to the lottery, if I'm making any sense there. It's, the profits are transferred in total by law to the state treasurer, who then allocates the first $80 million to the state highway fund and the remainder, in a year, remainder to the education enhancement fund. So the senator asked me, well, what, um, what's the purpose of the lottery? And so, I, you know, I, I, at that point, just kind of hit me, I'm just going to repeat what's in the law. I mean, <laughs> I didn't make the law here. You guys did. You and your colleagues did. And I said, maximizing revenues to the state of Mississippi. Whoo, he didn't like that. <laughs> and then he starts asking me all these questions. Well, does this maximize revenue? Does that maximize revenue? He didn't like the idea that we were advertising and promoting the games and trying to attract people to play the games because that's what's necessary to maximize revenues. you got to sell the tickets. Yeah. He didn't like that. Maximize revenues. Senator, I'm just repeating what's in the law here. I didn't make this up, you know. Uh, and finally I said, gosh, you know, Senator, I understand your, your aversion to it, but you need to talk to these people in this room. They're the ones that passed this. I'm just serving the great state of Mississippi here because my governor asked me to, nothing more or less, period. But uh, never forget that when Senator England said, do you think REL Speedwagon, <laughs> that's a pretty odd question if you think about a Senate hearing down at the Capitol. Maybe they could use that as one of their, you know, <laughs> their uh, in their presentation to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame board is the reason why. Exactly. It's been entered into the record in Mississippi of all places, the birthplace of That's music. exactly right. Oh, gosh. Radio host down there says he ought to be <laughs> in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, man. Whew. So I told you I'd get to a little uh, little of the woke news, Will. So you know who Dr. Rachel Levine is. That's Joe Biden's oh, yes. transgender health secretary. Maybe the first in the history. Certainly the yeah, first that, that we, we know, know about. Yeah. yeah, that we know about. And, and quite proud of it. So uh, Rachel Levine recently visited an organization called Identity Alaska. This is a nonprofit community center that provides resources and health care for the LGBTQIA2S plus and allied community. <laughs> this company <laughs> says kids should learn that doctors, get this now, listen carefully, doctors assign gender to babies by making a guess. Wrap your head around that. They just guess. Oh, because you can't, <laughs> you can't declare a baby that has the physical anatomy of a boy as a boy or that of a girl as a girl. You don't know how they identify it like two seconds after they're born. <laughs> and this group also wants to promote and is promoting the use of gender-inclusive biology. <laughs> and, and they're trying to get this implemented in the schools uh, across Alaska in the curriculum. So this is just an example for you. 
uh, in this inclusive biology language. This is a curriculum that they want for the children of Alaska in the public schools. Instead of the word mom, try egg producer, <laughs> carrier. Wait, so they want... Do they want people to call instead of saying mom? They want the children to learn to replace the word mom, be taught to replace the word mom with there, there's four other options they find, oh. they find acceptable. So when you're sitting around talking to your child before they speak their first word, you're instead of saying mommy, 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 right. you're supposed to say egg producer, egg or, producer. Or carrier. Carrier. Gestational parent. Oh Gestational yeah, that'll work parent. with a with an infant. Or birth parent. Birth parent. Yeah. How about so what are you supposed to do? You're a mom and somewhere along the line a child figures out that's usually their first words, right? Yeah. Mom, dad, or some form thereof. Yeah. Don't call me mom, it's gestational parent. <laughs> Crawl back this to your room. This is nuts. This is so crazy. I just can't get over this garbage happening. And Egg so, producer. so this deputy director, assistant, whatever the hell Rachel Levine is of of Health and Human Services, she's loving this. She's the highest ranking openly. Okay, it's a he. Dang it. He is the highest-ranking, openly transgender federal official in the country, and he is endorsing providing gender-affirming care to minors, of course, that, on the record of that, uh, arguing that the treatment is life-saving, but is applauding this, uh, this group in Alaska for this new gender-inclusive language. This is crazy. Crazy, I tell you. It... So, on the other side of the break, we've talked a lot about how the states are just kind of separating across a wide range of issues. This transgender care, of course, is a big thing. The state of Washington is being sued for something they're doing with respect to transgender minors. This is out of control. We're coming right back in the Element Well studio. Stay with us. that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk Mississippi. Boy, ain't that the truth. When you're hot, you're hot. Oh, I miss Jerry Reed. <laughs> there was no entertainer like him. That's something. What better name for a tropical storm causing destruction than Hillary? <laughs> yeah, so true. Mo says, I had a Kenwood stack with Bose 401 and 501 speakers. Very, very neat. I remember when Bose introduced their speakers. I think I was in high school. When they first came out, yeah, they. I guess they still are very popular. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they and they make lots of stuff besides yeah. speakers, of course. I've got some Bose wireless headphones that they, I really enjoy. They, have you tried on the new sunglasses? 
No. So there's sunglasses, and they like send a pulse. It sounds kind of weird. They send this sound pulse into your brain, I guess. I don't yeah. know another word for it. But um, my wife's uncle had some. I tried them on, and they sound amazing. That's but they're amazing. not. They're not like earbuds or anything. They just they <laughs> reverberate sound. I don't know how it works. Well, it's close to where you hear all that stuff, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Tim in Cleveland says the jet stream has a lot to do with weather direction. Absolutely, no doubt, Tim. That's what brings us our our fronts, certainly. Uh, you know, was this a an L? El Nino year? I thought that was supposed to be wetter you know for what? some reason. Yeah, Isn't that what they I haven't said? heard about El Nino. And that has to do with where the jet stream yeah. typically is positioned. Or La across. Nina. La Nina is a different yeah. situation. I, yeah. I think they've been misgendered, so I don't think you can use those anymore, Gerard. <laughs> How about that? Um, <laughs> what, what a, that brings Happy up a good gestational question. parrot day, yeah. Mom. <laughs> oh, excuse me, carrier. <laughs> <laughs> Dear egg producer, you have... Oh, my gosh. How are, how are countries that use masculine and feminine um, yeah. in their languages... It doesn't work, like French, right? doesn't work. Well, all the ro- romantic languages, yeah. so Spanish, French, I know Greek does it, I think. Uh, I don't know. How are they going to do that? I don't know. In Washington... Of course, crazy things happen. And it's not just Washington. And it, it's just another example of how the states are just segregating out, polarizing, bifurcating across so many issues in our country. I, I just I talk about this a lot. I find it fascinating, really. It just it shows you how we're almost in alternate universes. And you think about how that translates politically. It's it's big. It's a big factor. Crime, abortion, voting, taxes, um, allowing males to compete in female athletics, transgender care, pronouns, school curriculum. Totally different. And now we got the state of Washington that essentially offers sanctuary, if you will, to minors seeking gender-affirming care. And, And... Long story short, if a minor has this gender dysphoria condition and, and starts talking about wanting to do a sex change, identifies themselves different from their biological gender at a school, has these preferred pronouns that in these states teachers are compelled to address them by, these states, such as Washington, Minnesota, Connecticut, Colorado, there's a, a list of them, typically blue states, the teachers are not compelled to inform the parents. So think about that. Your child goes off to school. You think they're a male, a boy, and they tell their teachers, I'm a female. Call me she, her. You can't tell the parent that's going on. Not only that, they've taken it a step further. If the child, a minor, wants to have a double mastectomy, wants to start taking, ingesting hormones and puberty blockers so as to block their puberty, and any other sort of sex change surgery, they can contact the state and the state's Department of Children, Youth, and Families, similar to our 
somewhat similar to our Child Protective or Department of Human Services. But in this case, like our Child Protective Services would get involved when there's abuse going on, as an example. Not here. If the child wants to have this crazy surgery and and just um, receive sex change treatment, they have to provide them sanctuary from the parents and cannot inform the parents. This is crazy. This truly is what the left wants, is that children belong to the government. This is Marxism 101. And I know the folks out there are saying, oh, that's just hyperbole. It is? I don't think so. Just imagine, put yourself in the, in the shoes of the parent. Wait, you got my child under your supervision? Because they want to go have a sex change surgery and I don't have any say in it? That is crazy, guys. That's nuts. It is crazy. That's mm. a big reason why Glenn Youngkin was elected in Virginia. Exactly right. When Terry McAuliffe said, uh, essentially, Abortion uh, parent, without restrictions. Parents shouldn't have any say in what's going on in our schools. That's true. It's time for... Fox News and Super Talk News, that means it's top of the hour. We're coming right back with a lot more. Kelly Bennett at 1120, Austin Barber at 12.05. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Hour two of middays. We're in the Element Well studio once again. Are you thinking about or planning for retirement? Do you have a plan? Go to myelementwealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income, growth, and guarantees. Middays, traveling to West Point. Mossy Oaks, where we're going to be for the upcoming Prairie Arts Festival uh, on Labor Day weekend is the festival. But we're going yeah. to be there next Tuesday, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep. Uh, you've been up there several times. Mossy Oak, that's a pretty impressive place. Very much so. Wow. Incredible. Right in the heart of West Point, Mississippi there. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know what else is in West Point. It's Old Waverly. What Old a fantastic Waverly. Uh, golf course that is. It's Great the home to, of uh, uh, Howlin' Wolf. Yep. You know, they. in fact, they, they used to do a little Howlin' Wolf festival. I don't know if they still do that or not. Hmm. But he was born in White Station, which is a little yeah. community. Um, yeah, they used to do like a little music festival. And I, I've been to Wait, it I think times. I just drove through. Is that in Smith County? White no, Station? it's in uh, Clay County. It's okay. Yeah. I just... When there I went there to, may be two of them. Okay. I have discovered over the years, Gerard, that there are multiple <laughs> Egypt, for example. There's several Egypts in Mississippi. Yeah. I uh, Well, when I traveled to Raleigh, I uh-huh. spoke Monday night. Our friend Larry from Mize on the ceasefire tax line uh, invited me over to uh, Smith County to address the Smith County Republicans. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Great folks. I heard you gave a super talk. I did. They, an article has already been written 
uh, and published. <clears throat> Larry sent a photo of the newspaper uh, article, and a, a rather lengthy article. There was uh, the publishers of the paper attended and wrote uh, what was really a nice article, I, I felt, and I appreciate that. It came off very positive. But it was, uh, it was interesting, was the article, the, the title in particular was uh, rather interesting. I thought it was uh, kind of a clever play on words. You, you may have, uh, I think I showed it to you the other night, did yeah. I not? And, and here's what it says. Host of radio talk show Middays with Gerard Gibbert has, in single quotes, Super talk with Smith County Republican Party. And they had a nice photo of me in the Smith County Courthouse, which is, like so many courthouses across uh, the great state of Mississippi, historic. And I, I was um, intrigued just looking at some of the photos, you know, on the wall of, of um, those who have, have uh, been involved in Smith County government and the legal system there, judges and clerks and so forth. Just fascinating. A lot of old history in these courthouses across Mississippi. Yeah. And we have 82 counties. And most of them do have uh, old courthouses because that was the seat of government. <clears throat> the county seat of government was where those facilities were constructed. And Some of them have two. Yeah, that? that's true. Yeah. The county I'm from, Chickasaw County, has two county seats. Okay. Oklahoma and Houston. And they actually... They actually still split up the court calendar. I didn't know. So that. there's some times of the year where it's over here, and there's some times of the year where it's over here. Now the reason why they did that was because back in the old days there was a, a creek that went through the middle of the county, and oh. they couldn't cross the creek. Makes sense. During the winter, so they had to do stuff over, business over here. Now, is Oklahoma High School? Do they still have the mascot, the Chieftains? The Chieftains. That's, That's right. right. Yep. Isn't it? Yeah. Yep. You know how I know is because my friend Tommy Muskelly. Uh-huh. of Muskelly Furniture, you know. Uh, he and I play golf on a regular basis, and he's from there. It's where you know, his family's yeah. from. He talks about the Chieftains. The Chieftains produce a lot of uh, NFL talent. You know, Tim Bowens was, was from there. And, yeah, that's uh, right. I knew his dad. And then there was another guy who passed away just a few years ago who played for many years for the Cleveland Browns. I can't remember his name. He was like a guard or something. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Be- beautiful old town. Of course, the home of... One of our favorite legislators of all time, the great Jack Gordon. That's right, Jack Gordon. Cousin what? on two sides of my family, on the mom's side and the dad. Don't ask me how that happened. But he always told me I was cousins, cousins to him on two sides. <laughs> A colorful figure, indeed, oh, was he in the legislature. The yeah. Uh, on the ceasefire text line, Amanda from Pike County says... Gerard, we can't decide on there being only two genders. Why would weather events be any different? <laughs> and weather, perhaps. Yeah, I hear you, Amanda. You're, you're so right about that. It's crazy how we can't uh, come to some consensus on the number of genders. Speaking of which, the American Medical Association, you know, they have evolved into one of the most woke entities in the country. And so they are floating the idea, they are encouraging the government to consider taxpayer-funded uterus transplants for biological men. Wait, wait. Wrap your head around it. Explain that one to me. I don't know that I can, (laughs) exactly. Some studies have been done, they say, their Journal of Ethics, 
the AMA Journal of Ethics, and they've made arguments for uterus transplants for transgender patients this past June, including in their arguments whether taxpayers should cover the cost. 100000 to 300000 for a uterus transplant procedure. Incredible. It's just incredible. So now, of course, like everything else, this whole transgender ideology, it, it's developed into a shakedown, a scam, a financial scam. Of course. So some physicians that actually oppose this effort say, yeah, medically it's actually possible. The question is, ethically, should it be done? But this is what the AMA is focused on. we got all these health problems that we need to deal with and address in this country, and we're focused on uterus transplants into males. Incredible. Now, in fairness, i got lots of physicians in my social circles, mainly because I play golf with them. None of them are members of this dang AMA. They all denounce the AMA for this crash. They don't agree with their social activism, which is what they've evolved into. Uh, Remember, uh, about a year or so ago, I dug up their publication on gender issues. It's like 50, 60 pages of how how to just address all this gender stuff. And, of course, they're all about the language. I've shared it before. Even Johns Hopkins, they've published a language guide, recommended language. Same sort of deal as we just talked about with calling mom egg bears, (laughs) egg producers. Is that what it was? Yeah. Stuff like that. Well, Johns Hopkins, uh, yeah, egg producer, gestational parent. Johns Hopkins will allow, get this, a patient to select their name to put on their bracelet while they're in the hospital. They'll actually allow a member of the staff, like a physician, on their their badge, their ID card that typically is attached to their pocket or something on their white coat. You can see who they are and see their credentials. They're allowing them to choose their name. That just seems like that opens up a big old possibility of risk. Because every time I've ever had one of those things on, which thank God in very often because you're in the hospital, or even if you're going for just like an MRI or CT, you know, they'll still do that, put the the band on you with your name. And just to make sure you who you are, at every step in a procedure, they'll ask you, who are you? Make sure that that badge, that that wristband, yeah. corresponds. So they got the right person doing the right stuff to them. How could that work out? Oh, oh no, I forgot. I told him it was Bill when I yeah <laughs> I checked it. My first name's Doctor. You know, <laughs> this is crazy. So the AMA is stumping for uterus transplants, and they want you to pay for it. Oh my gosh. I gotta move on to a different subject matter. I just get mad the more I hear this stuff and think about it. It's just crazy. Um, yeah, on the ceasefire text line, 
Let's see, there's uh, some shots of some Pioneer equipment. Stereo receiver. This is some old-looking stuff, but it's neat. It's vintage stuff. I say old. says, go big or go home, Gerard. Remember the days of the SX 1980s and 1280s along with the HPM 100s. Uh, yeah, I see the HPM. That, By the way, that stands for high polymer. And that was a, a, a new technology. They used to come up with all these names. It just made it sound so exactly cool. Exactly right. It's stereophonics. It's, you know, um, quad, high poly- you know. <laughs> That's right. High polymer. Uh, I can't remember if there was another word involved in that as well. But that's how they made the uh, the tweeter in the mid-range speakers, I believe. Or it could have been just the tweeters with this high polymer technology. We're coming right back with Kelly Bennett. Stay with us. Talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. We are back in the Element Well studio. We welcome now Kelly Bennett, multimedia journalist, Super Talk Mississippi News. It's more fun to hear the bumper music rather than the news. (laughs) (laughs) Where's Journey? That's that's right. Bring on Journey. (laughs) All right, Kelly. Tell us all about it. Uh, What are you tracking? We've got this this FedEx driver case, right? What's that all about? Is that right? Let me get to the news in a minute. First, okay. I got to share with you okay. your, your topic this this morning has yeah. me kind of excited. I have my dad's old reel to reel from 1977. Yeah, when he when he turned it over to me, he even still had the price tag yeah. in the box. I mean, it's just I love it. And people come in my house and they see it and they go, "It actually works. It functions." I still have the old tapes. So we people used to come do in it. the house and they're like. Is that a reel to reel? Was it like, uh, yeah. was it by any chance uh, was it Ampex? You remember them? They were the manufacturer. Yes. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly it. I I, uh, yeah. I always wanted one and never could pull the trigger, but but those were that was like for the really high end audio files. It was better quality than just traditional record albums, the vinyl albums. You oh yeah, reel to reel. Pretty cool, though. I got man. all his old vinyl, too. Oh, yeah. It's really cool. And I, I still pull out those old albums and listen to them. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Well, you know, there's kind of been a resurgence of that. It's it's a hobbyist. There's kind of going back to, I like the old vinyl with all the scratches and the static better than mm-hmm. the pure digital reproductions. But uh, isn't that neat how things kind of circle back around there? Pretty cool. Everything old is new again. That's right. That's right. <laughs> exactly right. Well, that's neat. Well, now you made me feel old. You, I had my dad's reel-to-reel in 77. Well, <laughs> that's when I was listening to that stuff, too. So, Look, I didn't tell you how old I am. We don't even want to go there. So. Oh, gosh. You mentioned the, uh, the FedEx trial. It yeah. actually ended in a mistrial. Yeah. Uh, this is the case of two white men accused of trying to kill a black FedEx driver in Brookhaven in January of 22, uh, 2022. Brandon Case and his father, Gregory, charged with first degree murder, conspiracy and shooting into a vehicle occupied by DeMontario Gibson. Now, Gibson was dropping off a package in a van that was actually rented 
by FedEx. So you can kind of understand how seeing a van in this neighborhood after dark, somebody might get the right idea and go, what's what's this guy doing in my neighborhood? But what followed is the crazy part. So one of the men approached him in a pickup from a nearby home. The other pointed a weapon and fired shots at Gibson as he sped off. And you can imagine this guy would be scared at this point. So they continued to chase him till he landed on I-55 northbound on route to FedEx's Jackson Distribution Center. Court began Thursday with a motion for a mistrial. Apparently, the police didn't turn over some evidence, and that was Mm. enough for the judge to say, Mm. okay, we got to declare a mistrial here. Wow. Interesting. Interesting outcome of that deal. What about this blindside controversy that has just gotten all kinds of national news attention and, of course, has connections right here in Mississippi? Yeah. Were you shocked to see that? I was. I, I did not see that coming whatsoever. I, I think I'm shocked because it's it's happened so long ago, all of this did. Uh, Michael Orr and the Tuies and then him playing football at Ole Miss, went on to play professional football. I just it, it just seems kind of weird that this would pop up after all that time. Yeah, well, even when I see movies that are supposed to be based on real events, I always think to myself, now I wonder how much of this is made up. Yeah, <laughs> it just kind of it almost proves that. So basically, you've got Orr saying the family never really adopted him. They entered into a conservatorship that kept him from, you know, using his own name, making money. He claims that they've stolen from him. They're about to end this conservatorship. I thought it was really interesting. His stepbrother, the Tui son, yeah. the biological son. Right. Had nothing bad to say about Orr at all, and and uh, hopefully the family. It sounds like a kind of a family thing, and I hope they're able to work it out. Yeah, I do too. It cer- certainly has uh, gotten a lot of attention, though, no doubt about that. Yes, yeah, a lot. All right, so... You uh, want to ask, or should I just go? <laughs> no, no I'll, I want to ask you uh, either way. Uh, January 6th, well, is there a connection there yes. to Mississippi? There is a past Christian man actually this week now facing federal charges in connection with the breach at the U.S. Capitol. 63-year-old James Knowles appeared in federal court in Gulfport Tuesday for an initial appearance. Uh, He was arrested on four charges, including illegal entry into a restricted building or grounds, disorderly and disruptive conduct in a restricted building or grounds. The charges go on anyway. Uh, three of the crimes are misdemeanor offenses that carry a maximum sentence of up to a year in prison. The fourth is a felony offense punishable by up to five years in prison. I did kind of dig into this story a little bit more. This gentleman was in the Capitol for a total of like two minutes. Hmm. That's it. Wow. And then he was gone. And I don't know if you've seen, but we're starting to... um Hear from family members of some of these J6 prisoners that the conditions they're being kept in are really pretty horrid. They're putting them in solitary confinement. They're moving them around. They're denying them, you know, medical treatment. They're, it's just, it's, it's really sad. So you have to think to yourself, do we have political prisoners? Yeah. I did. From J6. Doesn't sound like the punishment. Scary. Doesn't sound like the punishment is fitting the crime. I mean, if they they broke a law, okay. 
uh, then, then they, like everybody that breaks a law, if they broke a law, if found to have done so in, uh, through the proper process in a court of law, well, then the punishment's supposed to fit the crime. That sounds unreasonable by a long shot to me. And it does sound like that it, it's more political persecution than anything, and that's scary. Very scary. It's very scary when you think about the fact that we live in America. This doesn't happen here, or it's not supposed to, yeah. anyway. Yeah, it's it's a bad thing. Um, I have heard some reports on that. I suspect we'll hear even more about that, especially with the election, the presidential election coming up. I, I suspect that's the case. What about the uh, Mississippi Aquarium? Is there some expansion plans in the works there? There really are. Did you get... Uh, the visit from the aquarium folks yesterday. Yes, yes, we got. They brought roaches into the studio. I kid you not. <laughs> the Madagascar hissing cockroaches. I got to tell you, I used to host a morning show back in in my earlier radio career. I've been around for a while too, Gerard. And Jack Hanna came on the show one morning. Yeah, and he brought Madagascar hissing cockroaches. He wrapped a snake around my neck. It was all fun, but. You know, he. I'm all excited to meet Jack Hanna and have him on the air with me, and it didn't even dawn on me, hey, Kel, this is radio. How are you going to get that to come across? <laughs> I didn't have the visual, but it was a lot of fun. Well, uh, yeah, so, I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, one of the reps over at the Neshoba County Fair. Came on the program and talked about the aquarium and some plans there, but what's what's uh, what's in the works? Well, they have expanded their Changing Tides building, which this is great news because it's air-conditioned. Yeah. And look, it's hot in Mississippi. Yeah. And I don't know if you've been to the aquarium yet, but most of the stuff is outside, including the area where you take a break to eat, right? So I've taken my grandson to the aquarium and gone to eat thinking maybe we can sit in the air conditioning for a while. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. So they have these uh, different stations all around where you can kind of cool yourself off. But anyway, this is going to be air-conditioned. The expansion opens August 25th. They're adding over 130 different species of fish and reptiles. And if you pay attention to the Mississippi Aquarium's Facebook, they're they're constantly going, guess which animal this is going to oh. be. And then you have to guess, and they give you heads on it, and it's kind of neat. So yeah. apparently the Madagascar hissing cockroaches will be <laughs> one of the new insects. <laughs> So something else that uh, I caught wind of, I know you guys are tracking, is uh, the City of Jackson City Council uh, is dealing with their budget situation, talking about shutting yeah. down the Jackson Zoo. Yeah, you know, Jackson City leaders are in the middle of budget talks right now, and apparently the zoo has brought in only $50,000 in revenue so far this year, and they're asking for $1.8 million in funding, and Jackson City leaders are like, look, we got to take this seriously. And, yeah. you know, they're still trying to find a raise for firefighters. Yeah, that's what they said, uh, just trying to get some raises to uh, the fire department, the folks that work there, and they're looking at shutting down the zoo as a way to save money and make that happen for the firefighters. I, I hate that it's a one-or-the-other situation, honestly. I have such great memories of the zoo growing up. All right, appreciate the rundown as always. Kelly Bennett, multimedia journalist, Super Top Mississippi News. We'll talk again soon, Kelly. Thanks.
Thanks a lot. Supertalk.fm for details on these stories and more. Appreciate it. We're coming right back in the Element Well studio. Stay with us. Everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Got a black magic woman. Got a black magic woman. I've got a black magic woman. Got me so blind I can't see. That she's a black magic woman. She's trying to make we are back in the Element Well studio. That's Santana. I had forgotten that two days ago, August 16th, is uh, the anniversary of when Santana performs. Three-day event, of course, Woodstock. So when they performed, they released that song a little later. Didn't perform it. Uh, and they were a brand new band. Nobody knew who they were. But they did perform Evil Ways. That's a pretty popular Santana song. Yeah. Black Magic Woman, and of course, another popular Santana song, Oye Como Va. And I asked Will to play that because the vocalist that you're hearing there sing Black Magic Woman is a guy named Greg Rowley. Santana asked him to play. Carlos Santana, the founder of the band. Greg went on to join original uh, member of the group, Journey. My favorite, of course. Steve Perry was in it as well. And I think their first album, if I'm not mistaken, was called uh, Infinity. And Greg Rowley is uh, the keyboardist before Jonathan Cain joined the group, and vocals as well. So I asked Will to dig up the song Feeling That Way, and a lot of people don't know. Yeah, Greg Rowley, original vocalist, along with Steve Perry. They kind of split time as the lead in Journey. Rowley's Roots with Santana. Huh. <laughs> Did Evil Ways, Black Magic Woman. And just got to a point where he said, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And then Perry kind of yeah. was thrust into the limelight. As they had the, to settle for Perry, I guess. Yeah, had to settle for Steve yeah. Perry. And that's when Jonathan Kane then replaced Rowley as yeah. a keyboardist and wrote a lot of the music for her journey. So. You and I were supposed to meet Carlos Santana. Do you yeah, remember that? I do. I when called he, up Gerard one Sunday and I right. said, hey, what are you doing today, big guy? And he said, nothing. I said, well, you want to go meet Carlos Santana? And he said, yeah. And uh, what happened was he was performing uh, here in Mississippi and they, their concert the night before had gone long and so they didn't get to leave when they were supposed to. So we ended up having to do the interview on the phone. We did. Um and he was a very nice guy. I think he cussed one time during the interview. I had to, I had to edit that out. But, we came uh, up here on a Sunday. Remember we came up that? here on a Just Sunday and recorded interview. It. Yeah. yeah, but we were supposed to go meet him and right. meet the band and all this kind of stuff backstage, and it just kind of fell it, through. It as fell they through. Sometimes do. It was that was awesome though. I mean, I I still cherish that the ability to talk to uh, Mr. Santana was incredible, and he he was a delight. Yeah. Uh, to speak with and reminisce a bit. Uh, told him I was a very much an amateur drummer and and grew up playing Santana and tapping the the licks to Oya oh yeah, Como Va and so forth. Uh, he was just blown away by that. Of course, his wife, I believe, right, is the drummer 
in the band now. I think yeah, he told us that. That's, he, they got married in the early 2000s, I think. And yeah. yeah, she's the drummer now. So yeah. Kinda... How cool is that? Uh, well, just a little trivia there. Forgot about, um, about it being Woodstock. Week August sixteenth is like some is there's something weird with the stars in the sky, so Elvis died on that day. Right, that's right, that's exactly right. Babe Ruth died on that day. Didn't know that. Madonna was born on that day. Wow. I, I don't know why we Perez and I were talking about mm. all this at dinner the other night, and uh, and I didn't even know I didn't realize the Woodstock thing until you just told me. So. Yeah, that was when they had it at Yasker's Farm. Up, upstate New York, Joni Mitchell famously wrote the song Woodstock. She performed it, but it was Crosby, Stills, and Nash that really made it popular. Yeah. Still one of my favorite songs, by the way. I still enjoy it today, Woodstock. And the lyrics are fantastic. Of course, this was when the youth of the day, they weren't worried about having freaking gender change surgery. They were worried about the Vietnam War. And, and that was... That was kind of the the activism, if you will, uh, of the 60s was in protest of the Vietnam War and Richard Nixon, and it affected him, uh, as it did Lyndon Johnson, who basically said, I ain't running for re-election. It it got to him. He said it, you know. You know, it might have killed him. Yeah, exactly. Because he lived very shortly, had a very short life after he got uh, done in the White House. Yeah, you're right. And... Uh, of course, Nixon goes in there, so it was all about fighting the establishment and the man, you, you remember. And Black Black Panthers uh, stood up, I guess. They got active, and uh, just lots of different social justice activist groups. We had 1968, the, uh, the riots year. What a tumultuous year. Maybe the most tumultuous in the history of our country, honestly, yeah. if you go back and to the history. Yeah. yeah. Right, we had Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy. I think same year. I watched a documentary about him. It's on Netflix. It's pretty good, um, and about the death of him. And oh man, that just <clears throat> that whole era. Sometimes, but there are times where you just you, you look back at all that stuff that's going on, then you realize at the same time that you're living in times that have some similarities. It does seem similar. Uh, the riots, I believe. Detroit comes to mind. Wasn't that Detroit in '67? Was that what it was? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Chicago riots of of '68, I believe. At the Democratic National Convention. At the DNC convention. That is mm-hmm. that is right. That's what I remember. And it it does sort of feel similar, doesn't it? But it's different set of issues. Now it's about climate change and gender. Exactly. Yeah. Race, somewhat, of course. But it seems like that uh, the whole racial protest stuff that really got going after the George Floyd incident has been set aside a little bit for gender ideology and, and of course, climate change is going crazy. I did see where there is uh, a conservative group of youth, as in 20-somethings, that are going to be at the RNC debate next week. And they are they, they fashion themselves as conservative Republicans, but uh, they're about the climate change issue. And they're wanting the Republicans to pay more attention to that and yep. get more on board with that. So seems to be a bit of a rise in that attitude in the Republican Party 
certainly from the the young folks. This called, this group's called ACC. I want to say I can't remember what it stands for, but I caught a quick article on it. Uh, just interesting how all that's going on. Donald Trump says so far he ain't going to the debate. Doesn't intend to be a participant. I think that knocks it down. I have to check the latest down to seven that would be on the stage next week in Milwaukee for the first RNC debate conducted by Fox News. Who we got? Mike Pence, Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, yeah, uh, Nikki Haley, Doug Burgum. I think also made it. You know, maybe uh, leaving somebody out. Apologize for I've that. I've heard part of the reason why Trump doesn't want to be at the debate is the showers. That's what I've heard. Yeah, we got some sound yeah, to play here. See. <laughs> you know, little things like your sink. You know, you buy a sink, and no water comes out because they have regulators on the water. Even if you're in a state where water comes out of heaven all day long, doesn't make any difference. Uh, when you take a shower, I like to have. You know, I have this gorgeous head of hair. I like, when I take a shower, I want water to pour down on me. When you go into these new homes with showers, the water drips down slowly, slowly. You have suds, beautiful, nice, wonderful suds, a lot of money, Procter and Gamble, all that crap that they sell and say is good. Probably cost them, cost them about two cents and they sell it for $10. But you can't, it, it takes you 10 minutes to wash your hair. You know what you do? You just stay in the shower about ten times longer than you would have. It's the same. You probably use more water. I broke all that up. I hope so. <laughs> Gorgeous head of hair. It reminds me of that episode of Seinfeld. Remember that episode of Seinfeld where they they replaced all the shower heads with low flow and they, <laughs> <laughs> nobody could get the shampoo out of their hair. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's Donald Trump. What else can you say, man? Uh, Gorgeous head of hair. He uh, he's also has Mr. Trump. He is taking some shots at at uh, Fox and Friends because they've just um, they've expressed their desire to have him on the stage. Of course, everybody wants to see Donald Trump. It's entertaining, and they know that their ratings would go up. and And uh, so they, they just expressed, you know, their their disappointment. And he jumps all over them about it. Don't they know I'm ahead of everybody by a lot, as he says, yeah. you know, and I don't need to go and all that sort of stuff. So, I, personally, I'd like to see him up there. I really would. Okay, there's feeling that way. Of course, you, you clicked it on the Steve Perry vocal part. Oh, I did. <laughs> My bad. But here you go. Hold on. That's Greg Rowley. Ah, so Black Magic Woman. Same guy. That's the same guy. And you can tell. Sounds like it. Yeah. That's the same guy right there. That's him. I did not know that. But you know now you hear it. I mean, it's... 1978. Feeling that way. That's good, man. Love it. Him and Steve Perry together. How about that? We didn't know what we had. (laughs) (laughs) We're coming right back in the Element Well Studio. Middays with Gerard. Good for America. 
Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for. by Joni Mitchell. It's Woodstock, because it's Woodstock week. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. There you go. <laughs> Going up to Yasker's farm. We are stardust. We are golden. We are billion-year-old carbon. <laughs> and we got to get ourselves back to the garden. My favorite verse. And I dreamed I saw the bomber jet planes riding shotgun in the sky, turning into butterflies above our nation. Protesting the Vietnam War, the bomber jet planes, those old B-52s. My brother was yeah. stationed at a B-52 base in um, California, Marysville, California. I think it was called Homestead Air Force Base, if I'm not mistaken. That may not be right. Maybe that was down in Florida. What was he called? Marysville, California. I don't remember. But he was there, and the jets would take off from the base there. Yeah. And do their missions. Southeast Asia. My brother was in Strategic Air Command, and uh, when he was released, he passed away, sadly, at age 27. I was 17 at the time. And when he was released, because of the knowledge he was exposed to, the information he was exposed to, much of which was top secret in his duties um, in the SAC, in the Strategic Air Command, they wouldn't let him leave the country for like 10 years or something after that. Hmm. Feared that he would have a target on him, you know, and and uh, by the enemy. And he couldn't leave the country. But I remember he would call back then. You'd call Collect to talk, and they'd give you a chance to do so with your family. And he'd call Collect, and... We'd all get on the phone, you know, to talk to my brother, my parents, and myself. And he couldn't tell us where he was at the time. And then we'd get the bill because it was collect back in those days when long distance cost something and you get the details yeah. of the calls. And he would always be on an Air Force base somewhere in the world. And one time it was Greenland. I remember that. Huh. Thule, Greenland. One time yeah. it was Guam. And then we had Ramstein in Germany just all over the place doing missions. When he When he got out, he said that uh, there were a couple of cases where they'd stay airborne for several days, just keep refueling mm-hmm. as part, part of the mission, which is kind of interesting. You know, that's, um, it's another situation where there's nothing to be proud of with respect to the Vietnam War. However, those such as my brother and the many who lost their lives in the war, uh, and, and those who were, of course, injured, Wounded and, and affected mentally, many, for life. And a lot of those guys now in their 70s that are still with us still have to respect them. They just went on to do what their country asked them to do. 
They didn't get involved in the politics of it. They weren't trained that way. That's the way you want your military to be. Unfortunately, we're sort of going in a different direction now with having the, uh, the, the pronoun video, for example, that we played from the State Department the other day being distributed in Brazil, our ambassador down there, which is crazy. But a little Woodstock trivia. The B-52, by the way, still in service. Yeah, and those things are gigantic. And uh, that, only certain bases, of course, can, can accommodate them because they need really long runways to get yeah. off the ground, especially if they're loaded up with fuel and bombs. And I want to say like 8 or 10 miles of runway, something crazy. That long? So I could be off, but it's it's a lot more than the average, you know, commercial jetliner where you may have a eight or ten thousand. The last one was built in nineteen sixty two. They're still flying. And they're still flying. They're not making any more of them. Right. And they're gonna have a lot I was reading it I was reading this the other day. They're gonna have like a, a lifespan of like twenty forty or something. No, exactly. It's Beale Air Force Base. Homestead, I'm pretty sure, is uh, in the Keys, maybe, in Florida. Home, Homestead's in Florida, not far from the Keys, I believe. But it's Beale, Beale Air Force Base. That's where my brother was. Uh, Marysville, California. Yeah, I, the runways are long. That's all I know. We just need an asteroid to hit the Earth when we start talking about uterus transplants and multiple genders. We are doomed, says the Godfather, a friend that I know well. Where are they going to get a healthy uterus to transplant, says Paula. <laughs> I didn't dig into all the details there, Paula. I ain't sure. Rob Rod in the Delta says, what could go wrong with this? History prosecuted Nazi doctors for immoral medical procedures. What is the end of the results of these woke surgeries? Man, I don't know. Uh, Gerard gets prize for pun of the week for uterus transplants for men. Wrap your head around that. <laughs> Great show, guys. Y'all have a good, nice weekend. That's Scott and Pearl that sent that in. And that 300 grand for a uterus transplant will probably be rejected by the recipient's body. Oh, it's lifetime of care. Fox News, Super Talk News next. Then Austin Barber with the Clearwater Group. And now. And now. Another hour of the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone hour three of middays live from the element well studio on this friday also just to finish up a little bit on the b-52 stuff eleven thousand five hundred feet of runway needed for a b-52 and i did look up bill air force base and i almost said this will but i didn't want to speak until i verified it is in fact i looked up their runway twelve thousand feet B-52 Air Force Base. I think Jackson International, just for comparison, is 8,000, if I'm not mistaken. And that's to accommodate the big C-130 National Guard planes, typical uh, commercial jetliner. Doesn't need that much. But just getting into the details there, we had a couple of people, Jared, Mailman, Clayton, both 
chimed in on the ceasefire text line about that. We welcome to the program Austin Barber. He's a partner at the Clearwater Group and knows everything politics. I will say you do, my friend. I don't know about that. I do know that I, I live in Jackson and I see those C-130. I think it was yesterday afternoon I was in my backyard and I, you just look at them and you're like, how does that thing get in the air? I mean, it's the biggest thing you could possibly imagine flying around in the air like a paper airplane. I just you know, engineering. I, I, you know, so I do politics. I would have been a terrible engineer. Well, we are grateful to the men and women of uh, the Air National Guard here in Mississippi that uh, take care of that force because uh, you know never know when they Absolutely. may have to spring into action to uh, protect our country and and respond to. Disasters and, and other duties is what the National Guard does. We're blessed to have that wing here at the Jackson International Airport. I have my son's, who's a senior, his first high school football game of the year is tonight. So yeah. if I miss anything that you're asking me, it's because I'm just like, okay, he, he hurt his hamstring back in June, tore his hamstring. So he's fought back, and we're just going to you, – your kids have played sports. You know oh, how yeah. it is. You're just like, oh, gosh, please don't get hurt. It's senior year, so we're excited. What, in what position? He's a wide receiver. Okay. Yep. So we uh, we go over to Madden, Mississippi tonight. and we're He's at Jackson Academy. We yeah. play league. So yeah. high school football, Friday night lights, yeah. not, nothing better, particularly in the South. That means Will East got a lot of work to do, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. About to hit. Indeed. All right, so – First, we got to talk a little bit about uh, the primary elections in Mississippi uh, last week, last Tuesday. Uh, any thoughts about that? Any surprises? All go as you you expected. Yeah, there were some nuanced surprises. I mean, the polling that you heard and I heard yeah. said Delbert was going to win probably by about the margin that he won by. Uh, the, the lady who came in third, nobody saw that coming, that she was right. going to get 5%, 6%. 19,000 votes, almost 20,000. Yeah, where it was. But but my nuanced surprise, Gerard, was, was the way that McDaniel didn't perform his well in a couple of counties. He got blown out on the coast, and that, that, that surprised me. Me too. Um, I didn't think he was going to win Harrison County or Jackson County, but I didn't think it was going to be – two and a half to one, whatever this margin was. But when I saw the returns coming in from Lamar County, and I know you'll have a station that covers that, and yep. Marion County, yep. the, the, obviously two great counties, big counties right there in the Pine Belt, that you would have assumed McDaniel would have won. And when I saw those numbers coming in, I said, this is not going to be a good night for him. Yeah. I'm always the guy in, in a war room or looking at returns. As soon as I see a precinct come in, I try to predict what's going to happen. Usually wrong doing that. It's not the smartest <laughs> thing to do. But it's fun. It can be an indicator. Yeah, though. no, it's an indicator. Yeah. It, it, it always is. But when you saw those come in, and then I saw Simpson County barely go for, for Delbert, but still went for Delbert, another South Mississippi County that the yeah. McDaniel needed to win. Um, and then, of course, you know, Hosman won Madison County over Overwhelming, and there was a lot of chatter about Madison County there was. that didn't uh, turn out to be the way that um, uh, Daniel folks wanted. Including an endorsement from the mayor, for Chris McDaniel, from Mayor Mary Hawkins Butler of the city of Madison, um, just leading up to the election. She went out uh, and publicly endorsed uh, the senator, concerned about this court division situation. That I can't seem to find anything that that uh, supports that 
theory. I'm going to call it theory at this point because there's just no empirical evidence that I can find, at least. I'm not saying I know everything about that. But that's what concerned her. She endorsed McDaniel. Yeah, and, and obviously the voters agreed with you, and ultimately the voters make the right decision. And um, it's hard to predict. In, in Mississippi, we don't have early voting, and when I do races in other states, you True. have early voting, so it's, it's much easier to try to predict what is turnout going to be. And we saw turnout, and nobody predicted this um, election day last week, that it was 300, it's going to be 380. The biggest turnout we ever had was 383 when Tate was in a primary married with Bill Waller in 2019, and we're going to hit that number again if they haven't already, but it was from different places. Hines County was down, Madison County was down, Rankin County was down. The Republican primary has grown, Gerard, to where it's no longer, if you wanted to run for governor one time or the U.S. Senate, you'd go, in the past, if I can run a Republican primary campaign in 15 counties, I can win this. Not anymore. Okay, you got to run fifty counties. Hmm. Yet, go look at Grenada County, and you know these these smaller counties. They're putting in up thousands of votes. So, if you could go add eight to ten Grenada County type counties, you then now have a Rankin or a yeah. Madison. It's a totally different day in Republican primary politics, particularly if you're trying to be smart hmm. and strategize how to win a primary in twenty seven or twenty four or twenty six. Well, you're you're exactly right, though. Typically you'd focus on those handful of populated yeah. counties, and you feel like, hey, if I can just swing those, yeah. I'm good to go. Soto, Lee, yeah. Metro Jackson, Pine Belt, Lauderdale, the For coast. For some time it's been that. Yeah, That's you, been the case. Warren, for the most part, but it is that is no longer the case, because mm-hmm. so many more people now are running as a Republican for sheriff, coroner, True. supervisor, and that's where voters want to get. They want to be in the primary so they can vote for their buddy who's running for justice court judge yeah. or for sheriff. Yeah, you're right. And we've had some some folks on our on the ceasefire text line, Austin, who have expressed their discontent over the fact that you have to select one primary over another, or another, I should say. And and many do have folks running in local races they want to support. They they know them socially. I've had some folks say, yeah, I go to church with them. I feel like i got to vote for them. But they're uh, running as Democrats, and, and I'm a Republican, didn't get to vote in the Republican primary. Well, we could have an open primary system like Louisiana and California, and I'm sure other states do. Yeah. But but the people who are making those comments, they need to talk to their legislature That's exactly about right. that, because that would take uh, an extensive effort at the Capitol. And there, there's been, I think, some legislation to do that in the past, even ballot measures uh, that have failed, yep. you know, hadn't gotten that done. So that's behind us. What, what about the governor's race coming up? That's starting to heat up every day. I, I'm on uh, Brandon Presley's email mm. uh, chain, and every day I get emails from him. And the, the, pretty much his whole campaign is what a bad guy Tate Reeves is, as far as I can tell. Yeah, and, and I just I had lunch with a, a, a friend the other day, um, and I'll keep him nameless. Um, but he said something really smart, and he said, you know, there's not a reason to fire Tate Reeves. Yeah. There just isn't. There's no huge scandal. There's no huge mistake. There's just nothing. You, you go look at his job numbers. You look at the education numbers, the Mississippi miracle that your friends at the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and the L.A. Times are writing about. Yeah. So they're from education to um, what they're doing on jobs numbers to tax cuts to workforce development. All positive. It is all 
positive is really tough. Yeah. If you if you're in a, if you are not the incumbent and you're trying to win, particularly in a governor's race, to win that race when you're going to get outspent, you got a very disciplined candidate you're running against, which Tate Reeves is, uh, and there's just no big reason for people to say we want to fire him. There's no Katrina That's that right. happened like with with Blanc, Governor Blanco in Louisiana where she was she handled it miserably, and the Louisiana Louisiana voters like nope, got to got got to make a change. And you know. I, I would argue, other than the fact that, that uh, the governor is a well-funded incumbent, that that probably deterred some other Republicans from challenging him in the primary. Well, the sure. fact that he just doesn't of have course. anything to point to. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, the best way to flex your muscles and scare off opposition is to have a bunch of money in the bank and be a good candidate and have a good record, which, yeah. I mean, the governor has all those things. Got all those. There's no question. Nobody runs to lose. Nobody's saying, I'm going to go I'm gonna go get in this race knowing I'm going to lose. <laughs> and when you go see, this guy's the incumbent. He's got $10 million in the bank. He really understands policy. I'm not going to be able to get to the right of him on conservative issues because he's, a, he's, a, he's a, you know, a, a true common-sense conservative. It just makes it very difficult. And, and look, I think Brandon Presley is a better candidate than Jim Hood was. I agree. Jim Hood has more name ID. Jim Hood won two or three, I can't remember, tough statewide races, and Presley hasn't done that. Yeah. So it's a, it's just an uphill battle for, for Brandon Presley, and there's no question that, that the governor uh, is, the, is the favorite in that race. He's also, as you know, trying to define himself as a moderate and to some extent distance and detach himself from the National Democrat Party and their agenda. On the other side of the break, I'll ask you how he's doing with that. Because I got an email here just a couple hours ago that specifically plays into that uh, that context. We'll talk about that some more with Austin Barber, partner with the Clearwater Group. Stay with us. Gerard Gibbert. Here we go. This is huge, 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 We are back in the Element Well studio on the Seaspire Tax Line. Columbus Air Force Base also has 12,000 foot runways because at one time uh, we had B 52s positioned there. How about that? We got Austin Barber, partner with the Clearwater Group. So, Austin, before we went to break, we were talking about the, uh, the general election right around the corner here, November, here in the state of Mississippi for governor. I think the marquee race there, of course. Uh, the governor Tate Reeves in the primary easily fended off uh, a couple of challengers, receiving 74 percent of the vote in the primary. But it's it's Brandon Presley who's been on his tail, it seems like, on a daily basis since he entered the race, public service commissioner for the Northern District. Certainly not a political neophyte. He is a very effective speaker. Uh, he he describes himself 
as an FDR populist. That's what he's said on, on the show here before. And for the most part, it does appear his campaign consists of attacking Governor Reeves. And the latest email this morning, I received nine minutes, folks, before we went on the program. The title of this particular press release, Tate Reeves' new ad is a bald-faced lie to distract from his corrupt record. So this is just, I think, playing into Brandon Presley's uh, M.O., his, his mantra in his campaign. Uh, and, and what he's complaining about is that the governor is uh, holding up Mr. Presley as a person who supports sex change and puberty-blocking drugs for children, whatever the radical liberals want. Now, Brandon Presley comes out and says, that's a lie. I don't support that. So here's the question for a political analyst and astute one such as yourself is, how does a person running for governor as a Democrat in a state like Mississippi where they – don't have control of the government, and and frankly, if you just look at kind of the breakdown, as you do all the time, of the voting population, they're in the minority. How does someone like Brandon Presley detach himself from the National Democrat Party and their agenda, which does, in fact, support this sort of stuff? Uh, the first thing would be if he was worth a hundred million dollars <laughs> and then he could use his own money instead of having to depend on the, the democrat governor association and listen i live this uh when i um first campaign I ever ran was when roger wicker ran in 2008 for the senate and we were running against ronnie musgrove remember 2008 barack obama was on the ballot john yeah. mccain was our nominee the country was in a financial crisis obama was going to do really well and we changed that campaign around because we were able to say let me tell you who Ronnie Musgrove really is. He is in the he is in the pockets of the senatorial, the Democrat senatorial committee, and all of their donors. Who, by the way, they don't live in a Mitt County or an Alcorn <laughs> County. They live in New York and in California. It's just the truth. They're not trying to do this left coast, sure. you know, right coast thing. Um, and, and that's the scenario that Brandon finds himself in. It, you know. It's very difficult to say, I'm a Mississippi Democrat, whatever that, that means, and when you're taking money, the vast majority of his money, from folks who don't live here in yeah. big ways. It's just really hard. That's why it's so difficult. I mean, when SB ran against Cindy Hyde-Smith, and people always say, can a Democrat win statewide? Of course they can. They won for 100 years. <laughs> you know, Haley won in 03, Fordyce won in, in, in 91, Musgrove won in between then. Cindy Hyde-Smith had a really tough race against against Mike Espy. Yeah. Um, we've got a 37% African-American population in Mississippi. Um, a Democrat absolutely can win in Mississippi. Most of whom are Democrats, Most of whom in are fairness. Democrats. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's right. Um, but but it's, it's tough when you're not independently wealthy or you have many major donors in Mississippi that you can say, help me fund my campaign so I don't have to get all my money from California and New York. Yeah, that's a good point. It's really hard. And they expect you to support yes. their values and yes. their priorities, they're right? Gonna, they're going to expect you to support, and, and, and Brandon was, I think, a Mississippi Press Association. 
Association event weeks or months ago when they asked him about this legislative issue about uh, transgender rights with with kids, and um, he didn't give an answer he that skirts ma- it. Yeah, and he didn't give an answer that many Mississippians, uh, Republican or Democrat, would agree with. So I don't blame Governor Reeves' team. I hadn't seen the ad for for talking about this issue because it's a big issue. It it is a big issue uh, t- today. Who would have thought, Austin, oh, that this would even be right smack dab in the middle of uh, legislative debate? I know. This is crazy. And we've got a we've got a bunch of really big issues that the legislature, um, you know, is going to have to deal with this upcoming session. Um, so yeah, who who I, I, I agree. Who would no way to predict these things in the future? So the things that let's say Senator McDaniel. Uh, try to promote as as top legislative. Pro- I don't want to say tried. He did promote his top legislative priorities that I think resonated with his supporters. Um, elimination of the income tax, tax reform. Of course, we got some of that done. Didn't get full elimination. The ballot measure process mm-hmm. is another one. Let's talk about that one. And and the lieutenant governor stayed away from those issues. Well, I think in fairness to 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 Delbert, he um, came out in support of it. Um, it was towards the end of the session. Support of the ballot measure? Yeah, yeah, he did he at did. the end. Um, but, the, you know, the committee chairman was not in favor of moving a bill that the House had agreed to. Um, but I, I, I think that ballot access, and, and you had Spence Slackguard on your show the other day, yep. who's doing ballot access Mississippi. I'm involved with him on this. I believe in this. Spence and I have the same mentality about this. We don't care about any of these political issues or financial issues or ideological issues. Issues that may come up down the road if this passes. We just believe that the voters deserve the right to access the ballot if you can get enough people to sign a signature, so on and so forth. Yeah. I think that issue will move very quickly in the 24th session, kind of like hmm. medical marijuana did two or three sessions ago when the voters had spoken on it, uh, the Supreme Court pulled it. The legislature, yep. legislature said, we got to move that quick. I, I really think that um, whether, hmm. whether, you're, whether you're in leadership or you're a rank-and-file member of the Capitol, you know your constituents, both Republican and Democrat, won't access to the ballots. I, I, I just, my guess is that'll go quick. So that'll according quick. to Spence, uh, we're being denied our constitutional rights because this is something that's included, incorporated in our Constitution, and we can't do it. No, that's right. And and I think and another reason why I think it'll go quick is because they got a, they got they got hospital issues to deal with, CON reform, budget, PERS, infrastructure, yep. mobile gaming, these other issues that really matter. You know, particularly when we're talking about healthcare issues like hospital and CON reform, and what are we going to do yep. to support our community hospitals in the state? Well, we'll see where that goes. Of course, the lieutenant governor did ultimately support uh, the ballot measure process, but with a significantly higher signature right. threshold than the House did. And Senator Polk, who runs the committee, didn't he doesn't want one at all. He made that very clear. Yeah, said, we don't need it. And had some sort of um, yeah, had some requirements in there that just you you wouldn't be able to get about. That's you wouldn't right. be able to get anything on the ballot. So it's, it it needs to be a high threshold. It does. Yeah. But it needs to be obtainable. It needs to be somewhat reasonable. Agree. If I tell you you've got to run a four. <laughs> you know, flat 40 Gerard tomorrow, you would go, well, that's a goal, but I'm not going to be able to do that's that. That's right. That's a good point. All right, so let's turn our attention to national politics. We got the debate coming up uh, next week, the first in, in what 
will likely be a series of debates conducted by the parties, of course, the RNC doing this one, uh, Fox News hosting it, moderating it in Milwaukee. Looks like right now I think we got eight, is that right, including Donald Trump, that have qualified, but so far it looks like Trump's not going to be in it. What do you think? I don't think he'll be in it. I don't think he'll show up. I mean, he, if he's there or not there, the debate's going to be all about um, President Trump. Yeah. Um, I think he probably would prefer not to be there and have to take you know jab after jab from everybody on the stage. Um, so I, I think he would rather people, um, the press, more, most likely talk about where is he, what's he doing. <laughs> um, but 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 he is the most unpredictable politician That's true. of my lifetime and maybe yours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, so good luck trying to trying to predict that. So. Um, we'll see. It's and, and so everybody knows the requirements to get on the debate stage were these candidates had to meet a certain threshold for polling, and then every candidate had to have forty thousand individual donors. You could give a dollar, and that would count as an individual donor. So it was it was a different threshold than it was in sixteen when you saw twelve or thirteen or fourteen people on stage. Yeah. Uh, back then. Yeah. It uh, this will be a little bit uh, limited field. Yep. But uh, it ought to be interesting for sure. Austin, always good to see you, my friend. Appreciate uh, all your insight, and good luck with the football game Thank tonight. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. We'll see you soon. We're coming right back. Half an hour left in the Element Well studio on Middays. On the headlines, breaking down the stories that matter to Mississippi. Middays with Gerard on Super Talk Mississippi. We are back. It's the Element Well Studio. That's where we are. Foreigner. Dirty white boy. Today on In the Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, you'll hear an interview with illustrator Sarah Francis Hardy. Oh, that's from yesterday. I got yesterday. Yeah, today it's uh, it's Stephen Toby. Stephen Toby, that's right. He is not only just a musician and songwriter. Guitarist. Guitarist, all that kind of stuff. He also does music for video games, oh, I, which is I, kind of interesting because it's something you don't really think about, right? <laughs> uh, and most people don't realize that the video game industry is bigger than the movie industry. Didn't know that, but I can certainly see. I it. mean, it's 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 humongous the amount of money that um, some franchises, like for instance, the I'm, I'm sounding like Rhino here because he's really the expert on this type of stuff, not me. But the Pokemon franchise is like 
ten times bigger than the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> Dog, which is and gigantic. Mo- and most people just don't realize that, how big it is. Um, yeah. But anyway, so he does music for those types of things, which, again, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, very much so. Uh I'm, I'm going to send you something here that I'm going to ask you to play here in a minute, uh, Will. Um, in the meantime, on the C Spire text line, I firmly believe this is Darren and Jackson. LBJ had JFK killed because JFK was going to have his brother Robert be his VP nominee on the ticket for the 64 election. You know, really? I've done a lot of just looking into that, and I, I firmly believe... I used to believe that it was a conspiracy, and there are some weird things that went on with it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I firmly believe that Oswald acted alone um, because he had tried to assassinate someone before. Yep. Uh, he tried to kill the guy who ran for VP under George Wallace, uh, whose name escapes me right now. But, yeah, that's um, – we, we the whole reason we were talking about it, we were talking about the 60s and – LBJ not surviving much longer after he uh, left the White House. Yeah, and it's uh, what reminded me of it. Uh, what I sent you, this text reminded me of, and it's um, it's Ross Barnett, role of uh, running for governor. And uh, let's see what what year was that? Sixty seven, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And that's back in the days when. It was common for political candidates to produce these little jingles, you know, that you would remember, because most of the advertising was uh, was radio jingles like this, or they would also air them on television. That was about it. You didn't have all the social media and stuff we have today. But Let's see if I got it here, yeah. But the the first one that I think he 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 um produced and was uh was in 59 for the 59 campaign he served as governor from 60 to 64 and then he ran for re-election here you go roll with ross roll with ross roll again with ross ross barnett he's still the man for me he will lead our state to victory in mississippi we just want a sovereignty Roll with Ross, roll with Ross, roll again with Ross. Who is the best man yet? Ross Barnett, Ross Barnett. Who is the best man yet? Ross Barnett, you bet. Miss Barnett, he's just beyond compare. Gracious, charming, courteous and fair. By his side they make a super pair. Roll with Ross, roll with Ross, roll again with Ross. Progress, progress, yeah, we'll lead the way Our state will be gaining every day And there'll be more employment, bigger, better pay Roll with Ross, roll with Ross, roll again with Ross Man yet, Ross Barnett, Ross Barnett, who is the best man yet? Ross Barnett, you bet. All left wingers, stay away from me. We don't need your 
great society In Mississippi we just want a sovereignty Roll with Ross, roll with Ross, roll again with Ross <laughs> Who is the best man yet? Ross Barnett, Ross Barnett Who is the best man yet? Ross Barnett, you bet All the reds in Washington will say They hope Ross will fall along the way But we won't give our state to little Bobby King Stop it right there. I don't know if you heard that. that. Yeah, LBJ. Okay. No, Bobby K. Bobby K. We won't give our state to little Bobby K. Yeah. And so, honestly, that is, um, uh, that's a, a, a history, right? It's a, a statement about our past, but it should be regarded as a statement for how dang far we have come as a state. And you hear them all throughout that. We just want our sovereignty. <laughs> yeah. Our sovereignty. Um, and which is just a completely inappropriate message in, in my view. But that was common at the time. And that's a piece of history there. I came across that on YouTube, and I can't remember how. But a friend of mine is, is a political historian in, in Mississippi. He's the one who, who posted that. And um, it's really fascinating. But that was the message back then. Now, Ross Barnett was a racist. Let's just be honest about it. And he got elected. But that was, I think, in touch and in line with the times, sadly, in our state. But, wow, have we ever come a long way. And I'm proud of, of the progress we've made in that regard. I, I've stated many times, I believe we have more racial harmony in our state than in any other. And... It was necessitated. And if you look at the, the composition of our population, we have the, the, the smallest gap between white Mississippians and black Mississippians, white and black race in this state, than any other state. You heard Austin just talk about it, 38% black population. What's sad is, and we, and we for the most part, get along. I think we have to acknowledge that. Does it does it mean it's perfect? No. That there's no signs whatsoever, no no racism of occurring? No, it does. But for the most part, we get along pretty dang well. And I tell you something else. Where can you go in Mississippi where you don't see people that don't look like you? You can't just huddle up like a tribe. Pretty hard in Mississippi, and it's because of the composition of our population. Yeah. It, it's widely dispersed throughout our state, um, all races, and in particular the black and white race. It's it's everywhere. I I can tell you that I've had people come to visit us in business from other states that were astonished, because they live in areas where they only see people that look like them, and it it kind of freaked them out a little bit. But yet. You're not talking about these individuals specifically, but folks from those areas of the country are quick to point to Mississippi as, as kind of ground zero for racial conflict and animus. I'm here to tell you it's just not true. Again, that's not saying it doesn't exist at all. But, but in general, if you look across our state, we all live together, work together, go to church together. Mm-hmm. Um, we socialize don't, I just don't really see that many examples of racial strife and conflict. But I think P 
people outside of Mississippi still think we're stuck in the days of Ross Barnett. Absolutely. I think well, you, you know as well as anyone that I, I think there is still that stigma with the, just the word Mississippi. Yeah, and it's, um, it's incumbent upon all of us to, to straighten that out, to overcome yeah. that when we have that opportunity. I, I know that just in my little patch, you know, traveling around for business and, and um, raising money and, and, and acquiring companies and working to do so, ran across a lot of people all over the country. And they were always, uh, you know, a little shocked. I would say, a little. I would say, shocked, surprised that uh, what we had done here in Mississippi in an industry that we're not known for. And I, I will have to admit, I took a little perverse pleasure in that. Like, yeah. you know, we know what we're doing here, guys. And and it it, it took two seconds, honestly. I mean, for those people to say, okay, I get it, you know. I and but it's because Hollywood, I think, has portrayed us to a great extent, such a negative light. It's so wrong. We're not Ross Barnett anymore. And that may have been a successful strategy to get elected 60 years ago, but it's not today. And it, and it doesn't accurately reflect the, the population sentiment and attitude and value system. And I'm proud of that. We should all be proud of that. But again, this is, this is where we've got to at least accept history, and that's fine. But we should accept it for what it is. But we also got to acknowledge and recognize we've come a long way since that, man. A long way, and I'm proud of it. We're coming right back with the final segment on this Friday, y'all, in the Element Well studio. He keeps his classified documents right where they belong. Inside a Journey record jacket from the 1980s. Gerard Gibbert, Super Talk, Mississippi. He said, son, my name is Beauregard Rippey. I come to you from Tupelo, Mississippi. I write songs and I sing like a bird. I play licks on my guitar like you ain't never heard. I love things are just a little slack I got a quarter in my pocket and a shirt on my back But you buy me some supper, give me a place I can sleep Said I'll sing you some songs and knock your head in the creek I got talent, boy Sit back home, they call me the Tupelo All right, so you were telling me on the break The guy that wrote that Roll with Ross It was Roll with Ross in the first campaign And then Roll again with Ross, which is the one we played Yeah uh, you said it's Houston Davis. I think it was Houston Davis Quartet or something like that. And you said he, he, he has a, a held a, the world record for longest drum roll. These are the, the, the crazy things you find on Wikipedia. Held the, the world record for longest drum roll. He had a drum roll that went for six hours and 30 minutes. <laughs> That's crazy. That is crazy. And was a justice of the peace. That's crazy. Uh, CC in Sanatobia. I guess we got everybody talking about the uh, the assassination of JFK here. The fatal shot came from the grassy knoll. No way his head violently jerked sideways because of a shot from behind. If Oswald acted alone, he was in two places at the same time. Well, let me, let me tell you, there's a documentary. It might be on YouTube. It's called Beyond Conspiracy. Uh, it's with Gerald Posner. They have all these experts on there. It was, it was run on ABC. Uh, Peter Jennings hosted it. 
And I remember that documentary because that was the one that convinced me. They took all those arguments about, you know, it had the, the bullet had to come from here and all this kind of stuff, and they just debunk everything. Huh. And to me, that it's that came out in the late 90s. Interesting. And it for me, it just it convinced me completely. Um, <laughs> I was, you know, kind of fascinated with the subject when I was younger. I read a, a couple books on it and, you know, was con- was convinced that there had to be a conspiracy. Yeah. But that, that documentary... The way they presented it just completely changed my mind. Uh, and, at, again, I think it's on YouTube. You could probably find it. It's called a, a Beyond Conspiracy, hmm. a look into the JFK assassination. My wife, who just texted and wanted to know what in the world we were playing there. <laughs> if you just tuned why in, we you were playing know. it, probably. Yeah. Uh, I just thought it made sense to share this piece of Mississippi history and, and just thinking about campaigns and and uh, RFK and the Woodstock era and all that stuff, it's all at the same time. Well, what I was going to say is uh, she's got this extensive library of books written about the JFK assassination. And a lot, as you know, has been written about it. Oh, it's it's one of those subject rabbit hole of all rabbit. I mean, you go down that rabbit hole, you'll spend hours just looking at stuff. and Still fascinates us today. Yeah, Um, it really does. Brian and Madison says, it just keeps going and going. How many verses? <laughs> well, and I apologize because I wanted to get to the verse, and I didn't know it was so far into the song where he talks about um, Bobby, Kennedy. Bobby Kennedy. Calls him little, little Bobby K. He was the attorney general. Yeah. And and who could forget the um, uh, James Meredith entry, admission into Ole Miss. It was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Ross Barnett was governor, and, and of course, Bobby Kennedy was involved in that as the Attorney General of yeah. the United States. So, and the rest, as we know, is history. But this is, this is a piece of history. Again, I just say, look around, folks. We're not the land of Ross Barnett. Thank God, we've come a long dang way. And had we not figured, in my view, had we not figured out how to live together in harmony, I'm not sure what would have happened. And again, I say it's it's because if you think about just a small margin of difference uh, in the population. We had to figure it out. These other places that like to talk a big game, they don't have to deal with that because they they can stay tribal. They can stay insulated, isolated, just because typically in those areas, uh, black people just don't represent a large component of their population. They do here, and I think it makes our state better and we figured out how to get along. It's just simple as that. Or we'd have killed each other mm-hmm. if we'd have followed Ross Barnett's lead. Yeah, uh, honestly, and what he stood for, he basically rolled. He he won with with that sort of ideology, which is crazy. And talking about we just want our sovereignty. Like, what's what? Why don't we have our sovereignty even in the '60s and the '50s here? And what he was trying to say is, we don't want the federal government to telling us that we have to learn how to live together. That's basically what he was saying. Integrate. Yeah, that's crazy. Can we please require all candidates to have an original campaign song, says Kim. Well, I was looking at it. There's a whole list of them here, you know, uh, Bill Baxley's theme and Sullivan's yeah. for me. And yeah, all I remember these. all. I mean, that's what you did back then. It stuck with you. Riding on the Cliff Fitch train. <laughs> Right, I remember that. John Dell Williams is a fighting man. I, mean, I remember a lot that. So he was a, I think, a World War II veteran, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, and he he only had one arm, 
and he really played that up quite a bit. Go Mississippi was based off role with Ross. Right, James and Hasberg says. You're right, James. We were just discussing that uh, earlier. Uh, let's see. I've seen it. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I've seen it. I've hunted my whole life, and anything shot goes the same direction as the projectile. That headshot came from his right 100%. Ben from Madison, I just want to get in here. Say we got to get this done. I know he's a big proponent of the ballot initiative process. We shall see. We are out of time here today. It's been a great week on the middays. We're back in the Element Well Studio this Monday. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. God bless everyone. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.